This is our Suburb Trends report for April 2021 and we'll be looking at where prices are moving across the country, actually this week mostly up, sometimes down, and also why they're moving. In this episode, we'll be discussing the top 10 suburbs with the highest median growth and as usual, we'll be digging deeper to see what's really going on. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. And I'm the data geek, Kent Lardner. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage with the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecaster report which experts can you trust to get it right the elephant in the this month we're focusing on 10 suburbs with the highest median price changes these have been selected from houses only and include suburbs with typically nine average sales per month or more. Now, we have a link in the show notes for you to take a look at two data visualizations. The first is a map, which includes a detailed explanation of each suburb. And the second is a display of the price segmentation of each suburb. And we'll get into why that's important as we continue. Hello, Kent. Hello, Veronica. Hello, Chris. G'day, Kent. Good to chat. Just quickly, you put this list together from the top 10 median price growth. How was that measured? Are you comparing against a year ago? Yes, so it's a rolling 12-month median, and what we've done is we've taken the uh, data as of the end of March and uh, this year and compared it to the data as of the end of March last year. Well, I'm interested about this because, you know, often we compare things against 12 months ago as well and things like, you know, I was looking at auction clearance rates and auction, you know, numbers of registered bidders at auction, for instance. And, you know, when we were comparing February against February, you know, February 21 against February 20, that's quite normal because COVID hadn't interrupted Mm. things. But from now on, say for the next six or eight months, are we going to be reliably able to compare, you know, any data for this, you know, the current month against a month, the same month a year ago? Well, I think the sales, the answer will be yes, because the market has been fairly robust. But I think for some regions, the one that will will really stand out will be the rental market. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm quite concerned about the, uh, the data, especially with a lot of the rental moratoriums. That's going to have a big impact on the data going forward, but I'm less concerned for the sales data at the moment. Uh, interesting. Because I guess what I was wondering was, you know, were all areas equally impacted by COVID and then are they all, you know, just doing their normal thing now, you know what I mean? So because yeah. the difference of the impact of COVID at the time that it all hit will make a big difference to how things look now compared to then, right? Yeah, and, and I think in and around Melbourne, things were very quiet. So if you're looking at sales volumes type type data and comparing that, there will be some seasonal blips because of COVID, especially in and around Melbourne. Mm. So let's just quickly run through the top 10 list and then we'll go through them one by one in more detail. We've got topping the list, Catherine Field, that's sort of outer Sydney. Uh, Number two, Collie in WA out near Bunbury, did you say, Kent? Yes, yes. Uh, Number three, Venus Bay, which is in uh, Victoria down near, well, 
down the bottom of Victoria somewhere there. We'll get into this in more detail as we, as we dig in. Uh, Hamilton is number four. That is in Victoria again near the Grampians. Glen Innes, uh, that's in sort of northwest New South Wales, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Calderwood, another one in New South Wales. I don't actually know exactly where that is, but we'll get to that. New Seville, well, that's in Queensland, sunny coast. Mossman, New South Wales, uh, Sydney suburb and affluent Sydney North Shore suburb, Surface Paradise, uh, that's in the Gold Coast, and Gordon, which is another, um, it's an upper North Shore Sydney suburb. So That's actually the one in the ACT. And it's not the one in <laughs> <laughs> New South Wales. That's in Gordon. There you go. So <laughs> just ignore the fact I don't know where Gordon is. Okay, let's hit them one at a time. Catherine Field, these are median prices and we will get into whether that's reliable or not and why and as if you've listened to any of these Suburb Trends episodes, you will know that we do advocate understanding what goes into making the median data so that you can determine whether it's reliable and useful or not. So Catherine Field, what's the story there? Yeah, so the median uh, has jumped from four ninety thousand a year ago to six eighty one now, with a change of you know, give or take around thirty nine percent. But it's a big no from me in terms of would I rely upon it uh, because of the distribution of of prices that go all the way from uh, in that bracket of four hundred to six hundred k all the way up to some very large um, sales, large lots uh, up close to four million dollars. So it's a very large spread of values. I mean, ultimately what's happening here, Kent, looking at the suburb, not that many sales really, um, but you're right. You've got the big houses on the big blocks that uh, look like McMansions really yeah. um, on fields. Uh, so not my cup of tea, but obviously some people like them. Um, then you've also got next to that uh, Oran Park. So Oran Park is a housing development sort of house and land package, you know, area that's going nuts and now they're spreading into the next suburb, which is Catherine Field. So pretty much you're getting all this sort of new stock mix, which is around that 600, 700 mark, mixing with the big acreages, which is those price distributions you're talking about. Now, any of those acreages um, being sold to developers for subdivision into smaller lots? Absolutely, because I think some of them have got on their subdivision potential. Um, But they're also like the house, I won't spend too much money on the house to knock it down. and so uh, you don't really want to have that big block with the housing development next to you. So there's going to be a lot of people who have overcapitalised out there, whether they did it or the person before them did it. Um, yeah, I think that's a, it's definitely going to happen. All those suburbs are changing. It's just too much profit to be made by subdividing um, versus just living on a big house on a, on a big block. Talk about big houses. I'm looking at a nine-bedroom listed here at the moment. <laughs> That's big. Nine bedrooms. (laughs) Good Catholic family, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the things that skew medians in in places like that are a a release of new stock that gets sold at a higher price, you know, than older stock, the presence or the existence of acreage that potentially are those larger lifestyle blocks that might actually be getting more appeal from people saying, oh, bugger this, I don't want to live in suburbia anymore, maybe. And maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's a long bow. And then also the obvious thing that can skew uh, medians in an area is when there is a zoning change or when, you know, there are a lot of blocks sold for subdivision that get sold, you know, there's a big increase in value to those properties 
in a one-off hit to their value and then they get cut into smaller lots and then sold again. So that can all play havoc with median prices, right? It can. It can. If you zoom out, though, for that area, which is Brinjelly Green Valley as the SA3, it's um it's had a, a, a 6% change in median. So that's the other key thing I look for is, is there a significant divergence between the suburb change and that, mm. that SA3 that the suburb belongs to? And 6% versus 39%, that's a bit of a difference. Yeah. And a bit of a problem with these lists, and this, you know, here we are putting together a list, but we are dissecting it so you can understand these lists better. But, you know, a lot of the, the media, they love these lists, the top 10 lists, and this, this same list may well appear somewhere, you know, without all this analysis. <laughs> and and then people think, oh, Ryan, that that's that's the next, you know, that's the hot spot. We've got to get out there before it goes any further. <laughs> that's the danger, isn't it, with it's these just, sorts of it's data? It's so bad. It's so bad. And it's still happening. I'm looking, I'm looking at a website of an investment um, magazine and it's just doing exactly the same thing, just these random top 10 lists. I mean, one interesting thing is this is the JobKeeper, you know, one of the concerns with the market this year is what happens in the next few months when that all ends and what businesses can keep people on and go under, et cetera. Um, This will be one of the hotspots where, you know, there will be potentially issues with sort of mortgage stress, et cetera. So, I think this is a nice area to sort of watch over the next 12 months because it's, um, you know, potentially if anything does happen with JobKeeper and there is sort of unemployment spike, these are the type of areas that will get hit. Right. So top number one on the list, big warning. Yes. (laughs) We would not use that median at all. (laughs) Okay. Number two, Collie. So this is the one in WA. It is. Out near Bunbury. It is. So the distribution there looks a lot more, uh, a lot w- better behaved. So it, uh, we've got bulk of the sales there sit under 200K, about 49% of them sit under 200K. Uh, the next bracket's that 200K to 400K, about 44%. So pretty much all of your market sits under 400K. Um, the median there has shifted uh, from 130,000 to 165,000. Uh, with about a 27% change. So uh, I would say that one looks pretty good. The uh, region that it belongs to is uh, Bunbury. That's had a 5% change over that same period. Is this the mining sort of, uh, there seems to be a bit of mining out that way. Do you think it's just the, maybe they're ramping up a mine or something? I, I don't know the full story, but is that what you're thinking, Ken? I don't know. I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't look into that. I just, I've, I've done the, the Zoom, because you love your map. So I zoomed in and did yeah. the whole map thing, but I didn't look into the employment. Um, so that would be, yeah. a, that would be a, an interesting thing to look at. Let me just have a look. Unemployment rate. I got the unemployment industry. Um, healthcare and social assistance, retail trade and construction. So I can't see mining there. That doesn't sound positive yeah. though, those industries. That's a common mix. I'm fine that that's, you know, at an SA3 level, that the, the, the healthcare and social assistance seems to dominate so many regions, so many suburbs. There's a big mine, there's a big sort of uh, coal mine just to the right of it. So, uh, well, the east to be more professional. Um, and... Uh, Yes, yeah, so, and I mean, it is quite inland. It's not really on the coast. Mm. So mm. Um, it's kind of one of those areas where you're going, if medians are going up, why is that? Well, it's probably just an increase in demand, not supply. It doesn't look like there's many new houses and at that price point it's hard to buy a new house under 200 grand. It's hard to build it. Um, so it's not a supply sort of uh, problem. Um, 
or so it just seems like an increase in demand. I reckon. Yeah, it's and just if, ramping up through mining or exactly. Um, yeah, and you absorb a few of the cheaper properties there. It, it can move off the base pretty quickly. Now, one of the things that that you know your methodology focuses on, of course, is inventory levels. Now, what are the inventory levels there, and what's a normal amount of SARS per month? Yeah, so the inventory for the region um, uh, for Bunbury is six point six two. So it's you know, compare that to the to the rest of the country. Uh, that's a little bit higher. Now, I wouldn't say that's a, 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 a bad market. It's just probably a little bit more what we would be used to a couple of years ago for other markets. Um, so it's probably there's a fairly balanced market, not a lot of upward pressure uh, across the region. So there's a spike, obviously, in that particular suburb. Um, it's hard to identify the reasons why that's happening, looking at the data, especially at a regional level. So I'd be alarmed about, you know, if this was to appear in anybody else's list. Yeah, <laughs> because, exactly. Because all the arrows are pointing in different directions. You know, this one, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, oh, I don't know, I, I'm not clear on why the median's gone up. As you say, it's obviously demand, but why? Why is there demand? Um, you know, I guess we have no answer for that. No, I think to it would be one of those great suburbs to pull apart and say, was there a cluster of um, uh, less expensive properties on the market a year ago that are no longer there. Mm. Um, so it could be one of those compositional issues as mm. well. So another reason to definitely not take these lists at face value. Now we're heading over to Venus Bay near Wonthaggy. Great name, isn't Venus it? Bay, isn't it? It sounds gorgeous. And Is it's it? a, it's a peninsula. <laughs> it looks it looks really nice. You've got water on both sides, so it's mm. a you know, really limited supply. Now, he, he, here's the change. It went from 150,000 to 300,000. Jesus. So, <laughs> so, this, should, this should be number one on the list. Why well, is it number three? <laughs> yeah, I I, it was a bit of a random. I don't know why. what I've done with that. I've sorted based on something else. But across the region, that this one is in line in, that the region has about 2.93 months uh, of stock for houses. So it's a, mm. a pretty tight market, as is most of regional Victoria. It's been hot, hot, hot. Um, but across that Gippsland southwest, the median's changed by about 7%. So again, I'd probably gravitate a little bit more to the uh, the region, which is why I like the SA3 so much. And I, there's no way in the world I'd be trusting the uh, the suburb median. No, because it's pretty small, isn't it? Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I looked at it and it's... Uh... You're right, it's probably a place you want to, you know, maybe a little coastal home to drive down there if you want to get away from Melbourne or something like that. Uh, but it seems like nothing's really changed in a couple of years, really in price. You know, beach shacks, fibro shacks, you know, all around that sort of three, 400 mark, we're kind of selling for that maybe a little bit under, you know, two years ago. So I can't see where that 100% rise in median sort of coming from. Uh, that's a data anomaly there, can't Yeah, well, you can see. Uh, look, there's a, a 1.1 million dollar property I'm looking at now, but then you click, you, know, you click one point away, or there's a 1.4 million, and then you know a few hundred meters away, you got a, a 400 thousand dollar property. So it's a very, very uh, you know a tough market for it to, to obviously apply and use a median. The distribution uh, is. Uh, a little bit skewed. Um, most of it, though, the bulkier sales there, about 90%, sit under 600K. Um, but you do have a splattering of, of sales all the way up to, uh, well, about 1% of sales are happening above 1 million at the moment. Now, um, days on market is interesting 
because, you know, the current days on market, the time it takes to sell a house is 57 and a year ago that was 93. Um, I'd almost love to have February figures as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just to go, just to see whether it's really changed a lot. Um, so, and I guess the role, if a rolling 12-month average does in this uh, set of data has got all of COVID, whereas a year ago it doesn't have all of COVID in it, correct? Correct. Mm. So so it's it's gone down significantly, um, the days on market, sort of maybe about 40%, and the actual um, the inventory levels have gone down significantly as well, right? Yeah. So, but again, you know, even even though these have been filtered out based on the number of sales or average sales, trying to get close to that um, uh, hundred mark per year, it's still too 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 small a sample for me to be comfortable with, unless there's a lot of homogeneity in in that particular suburb. Yeah, which of course is what we seek to avoid people buying into really homogenous suburbs or, or suburbs with homogenous stock, right? We like. Oh, scarcity. I'm just purely a statistical perspective. I know, I know. But it's, <laughs> it, it's the, exactly the sort of places we like to talk about buying in uh, is this very places it's really difficult to get, <laughs> get meaningful data on. Anyway, <laughs> so let's move on to number four, which is Hamilton. And, yes, it's called Glenelg, but it's not South Australia Glenelg. It's uh, SA3 is called Glenelg, right? Which is yeah, just- Glenelg Southern Grampians. Mm. So I think most people would know the Grampians. Very nice part of the world. Very yeah, nice. Beautiful. Yeah. The first uh, weekends away with my wife, actually. Aww. Romantic. It's beautiful. Yeah, um, it's very romantic. You wouldn't and be it- where you are today without the Grampians. Yeah, that's right. I took a horse riding. I think she was pretty impressed. Um, I mean, <laughs> with, it's you a very- the horse. with you or the horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a very beautiful place. I mean, the Grampians are, are stunning. And you think of if you're looking to escape Melbourne, uh, the Grampians, there's a lot of other, Kyneton, Dalesford, you know, it's affordable tree change location. Um, so I think that's what's driving its prices there. I mean, Kent, you're meant to go first, but what do you think? Yeah, look, um, in terms of the price distribution, it's very normal. So that that's a good sign. Um, it's a 25% change in the median, so it's jumped from 210k up to 263. So it's a relatively affordable area. So if 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 it's everything you say it is in terms of you know beauty, um, you can probably understand why some people might be drawn out of Melbourne to go there uh, because it's somewhere they could afford. Um, so across the region, it aligns a lot more neatly too. So the region of the Glenelg Southern Grampians SA3 that's jumped 17% over the last 12 months. So um, 25% for the suburb, uh, 17% odd for the region. So it's uh, neatly aligned, which would give me a lot more confidence. So, so far we're at number four and that's our most confident. Correct. How long does it take to drive there from Melbourne, Chris? Because I'm looking at the maps, fair way. So, I mean, it does take about three or four hours from memory. So it's not, but, you know, I guess with this COVID change, I mean, three or four hours isn't a big deal, Um, if you can work from home. Mm. And I think it is one of those areas where a lot of people in Melbourne have probably gone to on holidays like the, uh, you know, the Great Ocean Road or and things like that. Mm. Where people go, you know what, I'd actually love to live here. And then Melbourne was, the, the COVID was sort of the enabler of that. So, but it is, it's a long way. Um, but you so see, you can't really commute, but if you need to get in there, you know, every so often it's probably doable. So 
it's just so cheap compared to, you know, other tree change locations, you know, the Geelong, the Mornington Peninsula out of reach, um, even maybe Ballarat's maybe a bit more expensive or Dalesford or Castle Mine. So um, it is one of those pockets that, um, yeah, people might might want to go to just for affordability reasons. Interesting. There's okay, certainly a big mix of housing um, styles and standards. And beautiful old houses, you know, that's, you know, like those sort of houses you'd love to be paying buying in the inner ring of Melbourne um, are out there and on these sort of quieter, older streets. So it's kind of like an orange, I guess. Mm, in, a in, pretty in town. Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Glen Innes. So back in New South Wales, this is up, you know, direction of Tenterfield and Inverell and it's certainly, you know, up bit northwest, cold. bit Very, inland. Pretty, um, pretty freezing at the moment. Yep. <laughs> so, okay. So, what's happening there? Do you, what's what's yeah. So, um, zooming out, I'll start at the high level. The the, the region it belongs to is Inverell, Tenterfield, the SA three. That's had a nine percent change over that twelve month period. So, this particular suburb uh, has had a twenty nine percent change. So, it's jumped from one ninety k to two hundred forty five thousand. And when you look at the price distribution here, it, it does look quite normal. So. Uh, that would be one where I could say, yeah, I could live with this one. I could live with, live with saying it's grown by close to close to 30%. So Glen Innes is on the sort of New England Highway, right? A bit it north is. of um, Armadale? Yeah, and- if, you, if you kind of draw a line um, inland from Grafton, um, you go up over the ranges, you're there. So is there any reason to think that Glen Innes in in – has something magical about it? <laughs> you know, is there any reason? Is the mm. whole region um, benefiting, or is is there something that's? Do we know of something that's happened in Gleninus that might have precipitated this? Uh, I'm not aware, Chris. What about you? Oh, I think they've got some sort of Stonehenge thing there, haven't they? Maybe the yeah. people rushing to the uh, tourism there or something. But I can't think of anything. You know, it's really a really country town. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not. Uh, it's a long way from anywhere. Um, and so I, I just think why would this sort of country town sort of boom um, versus, you know, and I, I just haven't got the answers to be honest. I was looking at it, I was kind of scratching my head. It's not, um doesn't really make sense why in one year things have jumped so much. Usually that's only when there's limited stock and a massive increase in demand. So I guess someone from Glen Inns, if you're listening, tell us if something's changing on the ground there because um we don't know from this from our seats. Well, it's interesting though when you look at the house conditions. Um, the inventory levels are above eight months, so that would tell me that across the region there's a bit of a slight downward pressure at the moment. Mm. So, um, who knows what might be happening there? We might end up with you know a flurry of people uh, exiting the market, um, trying to cash in. Who knows? Um, but it's there's some really odd data through the region at the moment. I mean, it does it is similar to Grampians a little bit, like the sort of mountain ranges and, you know, a place to sort of go away. So maybe it is just one of those other sort of affordability locations where people are like, look, you know, let's just go and buy a house and we'll create an internet business and live cheaply, et cetera. So maybe that's sort of what's going for it at the moment. I think the biggest employer is uh, agriculture, forestry and fishing at 19% for the for the uh, SA3. Fishing? Inland. Well, that's just they group it all together. So that's <laughs> But um, it's just a cluster. So, yeah, agriculture and forestry. Yeah. 
must be uh, farms fishing on a, on a paddock or something. <laughs> In the or, dams. Uh, or, or one river and people fly fishing. But um, anyway, uh, moving on. But, I mean, all these things, I mean, these, these are some of these episodes are you know, more fun than others, I guess, because, you know, here we are looking at pure data and and revealing the weakness of just looking at pure data, you know, and we're, none of us are experts in this particular area, so this, that's why we don't have the answers. And it actually shows why you do need to be an expert and have absolute local knowledge in order to be able to make calls on these sorts of things. So, um, you know, so you might listen to this go, what the hell am I listening to this for? These guys don't know anything, but this is, <laughs> this is actually the point. Okay, hitting, going through Calderwood. So yes. this is down near Kayama, Shell Harbour. It is. This one's an interesting one. So if you go to the, um, the ABS um, quick stats uh, from not that long ago, there were only 58 dwellings back in 2016. Yep. Uh-huh. So what's happened here is now we did a little, I did a little bit more homework on this one, <laughs> Glenn Innes, but yeah, this <laughs> this one is one of those classics where some you know, blocks of land have been carved up and some new stock's been built. And a lot of stock is potentially going to come out here. So it's in the sort of Albion Park area of Wollongong. Uh, as Sydney sort of, you know, uh, people can move outside of Sydney a little bit more. Um, that's one of the pockets in Wollongong where there's heaps of flat land that's perfect for developers to sort of cut up. Um, and so, you know, th- this is, I think what's happened here is there's a suburb called North Macquarie, which is next to Calderwood if you, from what my map was showing, um, but it's getting pulled into sort of Calderwood. So it's that North Macquarie sort of housing development that's really, uh, which is neighbouring Albion Park, which is making these stats look amazing because the median's gone up, but really it's just land getting cut up with a very small number of sales. Yeah, try selling one of your old houses there and making the same sort of gain. Well, there's not many to sell. No, so. even if you did though, because that'd be all compared with the new stuff, right? Yeah, oh, look, it's just it's it's a, a really interesting small area, um, mm. but it's had a cluster of sales that are drying up now. Some of the older houses, the, the houses would be making pretty big gains, I imagine, because they're massive acreages on, you know, in the hinterland sort of their back. Um, and it's a pretty good spot to live, I think, if, you know, you've got access to the south coast, pretty good access back into Sydney as well. So you have got that sort of right down more towards Albion Park, blocks getting cut up. But as soon as you sort of go back up into the mountains a little bit, you know, big homes on blocks in the hinterland. So, so does, um, did that, does Calderwood... Um, encompass both types of property? I mean, because I know that you're heading up into the Southern Highlands there, right, to Robinson and places like that, which, is, you know, is beautiful. And um, But is that covered in Calderwood? Well, there, there, there's some stock uh, acreages uh, up into, up towards Mount Murray that I can see here. So there's mm. a, a property there at the moment at 1.2 million. And then you go down to your your, your typical new specky type house, mm. um, your typical four-bedroom, you know, two bathroom type properties um so you know it looks like a really nice uh, nice suburb there's some 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 of them have got some lovely views up to the ranges there yeah um but again i guess the the, the whole um meaning for the the reason for the show today was to say would i trust the median in terms of a suburb growth rate mm. at 64 percent? no i would not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, okay. Ah, oh, dear, we're not trusting many of them, I have to say. This is just the the why not to trust the median show. Um, Nooseville, so up in the Sunshine Coast, uh, this is um, 
very established, but is there a lot of new development going on up there? Well, there's a splattering of stuff. It's an interesting distribution because you do have uh, a, a number of sales that sit above two million. So you've got those on the water or views of the water, and then the rest. And the rest, the average around the rest is you know the the eight hundred to one million. Twenty seven percent of your sales are sitting at eight hundred to one mil. But mm. then you've got you know you've got one um, percent of your sales over four mil. So it's a, a very spread distribution. Um, with a almost two markets here, with you know a, a market around that three million mark and a market around the one million mark. Mm, yeah, and that it, it's interesting because of course you've got um, it's like any beach so suburb. We were talking about this. We interviewed yeah. Michael Murray from Byron Bay. That's an episode coming up soon, um, and we talked about you know where you got a main road separating you know, beachside properties and non-beachside properties and the massive big sort of haves and haves-nots really. And there's a lot of haves and haves-nots, haves and haves-nots, can't even say it, haves and have-nots um, up in that part of the world. And and certainly um, maybe not Nooseville quite so much, that's along the river, but like certainly Noosa itself and obviously Noosa waters and places like that, you've got very expensive um, waterfront homes or canalfront homes. Um yeah, so so do we rely on the median for the lower price properties? Is oh, that- look, I wouldn't touch it at the suburb level, but at the at the SA three region, which is Noosa, um, it's it's grown by eighteen percent, and the and the region does look representative, and and I would trust the median that's you know for the for that SA three region. It's been a big growth year, and that would make Absolutely. sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's been a lot of people wanting to get, to get out, and I think you know a lot of the people from Melbourne obviously just bypass New South Wales altogether and land straight in Nooseville. <laughs> yeah, and Nooseville hasn't got a lot of new stock. Sort of going back to your other question, it's you know the fringes of Noosa definitely are starting to add some more housing estates, but you're starting to Nooseville is bordering on sort of the heads, like where or the you know you want to be, I guess. Mm. Um, so, and then on the other side, you've got sort of Sunshine Beach and. Uh, Sunrise Beach, um, and so there's not that much uh, land up there available. If you look at Noosa Heads, Sunshine Beach, and Noosaville, um, and they're not really building anymore. There is a lot of con- commercial in Noosaville, which I always get a little bit apprehensive seeing if I'm going to buy into or think of you know talk about a market um, because commercial doesn't always stay profitable to stay commercial. You know, and you mean that sort of light industrial type buildings you're talking yeah, about? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like you know. Uh, you know, maybe mechanics or, yeah. you know, just warehouses, um, those type of places. Uh, if there's more people moving to Noosa, which obviously there probably is, um, who's to say some of those don't get knocked down, apartments, townhouses, et cetera. And so you just got to be careful buying around anywhere where there's commercial sort of white spots, I call them, where um, if you look at the map, you see all these little houses and you see these little white spots, they're the, um, the commercial areas. Well, that's a tip for young players. <laughs> I like a lot of the houses I'm looking at here. Mm, older players too, Veronica. What was that? Sorry. Older players too. Older players. <laughs> Case in point here. Okay. So, um, right. So we might like that area. That's and a definite it, maybe. Yeah, definite maybe. I think too. I mean, it, it is a bit of a no-brainer that um, you know Victorians and uh, New South Welsh people uh, do like the Sunshine Coast, and I think even Brisbaneans, you know, Bris. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they like the Sunshine Coast as well. It's very much that sort of area, a bit like the northern beaches of um, in Sydney, you know, where if, if people can avoid a commute, they would love to live there, 
you know, so I think that sort of makes sense. All right, number eight on our list, down into Sydney, one of Sydney's uh, more expensive suburbs, Mosman. Mosman or Mosman, depending on whether you live there or whether you don't live there. I can actually never remember which is the right one to say. <laughs> it's um, it's I've got a, a lot of people there. That's just a really interesting thing. I always thought it would only be a handful of, of, of sales, but when you look at the, the Mosman suburb, uh, on the ABS Quick Stats, it's saying 28,000 people, but it's including places like Balmoral and Clifton Gardens in the count. So, but it's, it's, you know, when you count it up from a property perspective, it's saying this is again the census data, 13, over 13,000 properties. So it's a, a big suburb. I'm trying to look in your, I think there's a little glitch actually in the website um, for. The price segmentation part of oh no it isn't so you hit the big arrow, big arrow um, at the top. Now, so yeah, it's um this, it's all it's all over four mil. So it's gonna yeah, yeah my scale it just falls off my scale. I think you've got to pretty much say this is a pretty good bet. There's decent yeah. number of sales, and um, you can really see the appetite for people to take advantage of low rates and finally do that upgrade. I think the renovation factor is probably big here as well. Um, I imagine if you drive around Mossman, uh, there are lots of people doing knockdown rebuilds, uh, big renos, et cetera, and that all flows into median prices if they sell. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think this is a pretty clear one that people are taking on advantage of low rates and, and finally doing that upgrade or doing a big reno, et cetera. There's, there's also, and the thing is with Mossman, it, 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 there's a lot of large family homes, you know, and it's not like, you know, say in Balmain, for instance, where you've got lots and lots of workers' cottages and terraces scattered around, whatever, and then you've got a few family homes and there's huge demand for those family homes by people who don't want to leave the peninsula. In Mossman, there's there's loads of um, family homes all the time, you know, because everything's sort of a, at a certain size or price point. And so there's, it's more homogenous, even though it's very established, it's, it's more homogenous, shall we say, even though, and also you've got Balmoral Slopes and you've got some incredibly mm. expensive um, properties with harbour views, but still you've got a lot of streets with, you know, double-fronted Federation homes that have been renovated or whatever. Um, and so it is, it is, and there's no new development per se. You know, there's that renovation, um, but there certainly aren't, you know, releasing house lots there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's got that all that all the hallmarks of being a reliable where the median is is probably more reliable. But like you say, that what is built into that is the improvements on properties, individual properties. Yeah, I, I think Mossman's got a very good NIMBY mentality. I think they got a uh, was a new Woolies going in, and uh, don't quote me on this one, but I'm pretty sure that the local community got Woolworths to uh, not go ahead, basically. Um, so you know the NIMBY mentality there is super strong, and that's stopping any type of development. Uh, and even you know maybe there's a few sort of downsized or apartments getting built, you know, scattered mm. around, but very little changes in Mossman. which well, keeps it sort of. Yeah, sort of, I wouldn't touch the median. At all here, it's just uh-huh. too too spread, um, and uh, yeah, the distribution is very hard um, to, to play with. So I wouldn't be going near it, even though it says it's um, jumped up from three point four up to four point three five million, twenty percent twenty seven percent change. I wouldn't be buying that at all. I'd zoom uh-huh. out to the region. And what's the region telling us? Yeah, and just zooming down to that. So the house median um, for the North Sydney Mossman SA3 as a 3% change. Ooh. 
And that's off a high base, though. I mean, yeah, he says, mm. yeah, the median for that for that area uh, is four point three. Now, it, it, the median, you know, we talk about many, many times. Distribution is is or the composition of the median is is got to be highly questioned. Something that we look at when we price property is to say, well, what is the median for? You know, might be a three bedroom house in in a suburb. What has that done over the last? three months and three months before that and so on because we're just sort of looking to see if there if there are reliable patterns in that or not. Sometimes there are, sometimes they're not. Um, but if you look at an individual property, and this is where like CoreLogic Sedonic Index comes in, where they're, they're basically trying to work out a way to compare like with like, so an apple with an apple and an orange with an orange. And so, you know, if this you know, three bedrooms, semi-detached, federation, Edwardian cottage with parking that had been renovated in 10 years ago and that one very similar type of property sold you know over a period of time that's how they sort of measure market movement I don't I honestly don't know how the nuts and bolts of that works but you know certainly when we're looking at pricing a property we look to that sort of individual evidence of this property versus that property this sold then this sold now this is the difference that to me is a good indication of what the market's doing um how do you approximate that or or, or, um you know how, how do you make decisions with data given that you need that sort of localised understanding? Well, I think when you're applying that uh, a general perspective on, on any hedonic style index, a, 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 neat, a neat way to describe it is if an AVM struggles in the location, uh, for all the same reasons the AVM would struggle, so would an hedonic index. So that's, so that's how does. I would think. that's how I would think about it. So it really does come down to... The local knowledge. Uh, I think the, the best way to approach these is, again, if you can zoom out to the region, you just live with the region. If you want to go deep into the suburb, pick a number of properties that you're comfortable doing a, a desktop appraisal on, and then what you do is you do a, a retrospective on them. So you pick a, a large enough sample that you're comfortable with, lock yourself away for a few hours, and then do a retrospective appraisal on those same properties as of 12 months ago. Takes it takes a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, it's hard. You know, valuers find it really hard. Yeah. Well, valuers don't have much time on their hands uh, for a lot of them. You know, maybe in Mossman you get paid a lot more for evaluation than you would in some other suburbs. But a lot of valuers have to get in and get out, right? Because mm. um, they've only got thirty minutes and they're only getting paid a couple hundred bucks to to sort of do their report, if that. So, um, yeah, I think what sort of Veronica would be doing for her clients would be a lot more than um, what a value would do and uh, actually going back and comparing sort of, you know, past sales that are really comparable, not actually just um, any sort of sale in the suburb. And it does take a long time. We had a client and she asked me, so what do you think my offer should be on this property? I said, well, that is where you need a buyer's agent. You know, you need to, this is hours and hours of work and, you know, understanding of the vendor situation and what else is on the market and all these things that, um, you know, just because you saw that a sale of a property was this two years ago or the event, you know, they might want to make their money back or whatever it is. Like that's all a bit pointless. It's really a lot of research and a lot of um, speaking to the agent. So uh, it's not easy, hey? Yeah, just on that too. I mean, it's it's 
particularly not easy at the moment, we measure the differential between, you know, our pricing research, which, you know, we, I went I did an episode on this a while back, didn't I, about how we go about doing this. And mm. and then I measure the difference between, you know, what we can see based on recent sales and adjusting them according to market movements. So that really it should say that as of yesterday, that's really should, what the price should be. Now, on average, properties that are going uh, selling pre-auction or they're selling sort of off-market, which is fewer and fewer of those around, there's a 5% premium on top of that. And if it goes to auction, well, it's, it's sort of about 5.5% and it's pretty much double at 11% over that if it goes to auction. So mm. so then you go, okay, that's great. We should be making offers, pre-auction offers on everything, but it, it's not that simple. And, you know, you talk about well, why do you need a buyer's agent? It's a, This is a friend of a friend of mine who is not buying in our area. They're buying up the Central Coast and they've looked into buyer's agents but they haven't really convinced that, you know, they've met anyone that they think is any good. And so out there they are. They've got no idea and, you know, they want to pick my brains about making offers prior to auction. I'm like, I can't just you know, you, there's no blanket no. rule. You know, you you, no. you have to, you need guidance every step of the way. You need interpretation and insights in terms of what's actually happening and whether there's a chance and whether there isn't a chance and what's the right yeah. premium to pay and whether it's a good property or whether it isn't a good property. Now, I know that not all buyers agents do that as well. Um, mm. But, you know, that, that you know, the real, and they, they said to me, oh, yeah, but there's no off-market properties on the market anymore, so therefore there's no real value in using a buyer's agent. I'm like, well, well that's the thing. It's, it's, it's those insights. Well, there are some, but it's still, there are less than there were before. But it's the insights and the guidance every step of the way where the value of a good buyer's agent is now, not about getting you an off-market property, for God's sake. Mm, anyway absolutely there's not one rule right there's not like uh yeah make an offer on a friday um two weeks into the campaign and five percent <laughs> above the guide and uh give them a 24-hour turnaround and that's it you yeah know, just it, try that every it's yeah every single case is different and um sometimes you hold it back you know to really close to the auction yeah. or you try to get a pre-market or you go to auction or you know, you go start low and work your way up or you go in with a knockout offer. Like there's so many different things that you'd probably approach it, um, which is you're only going to know that if you really speak to the agent, I reckon, Veronica, is that sort of if any have trust with them for them to tell you things that you probably shouldn't be told. That's exactly right. I mean, like I'll give you an example of a property that was quoted $3 million, right? And this, um, you know, the agent was pretty forthcoming with, you know, why he priced it there, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when I looked at this particular suburb, there's only four other properties that sold between three and four million dollars in the past two years, right? So I'm like, and they were all way bigger and better than this one, way bigger and better. And there was one that sold over four million dollars in that two year period, and that was even bigger and better again, right? So I'm like, you know what? If Yes, in this market, it's probably going to go over three, but that is really remarkable given the land size of this house. And so, you know, if we were going to make an offer, you know, clients might have been prepared to pay, you know, they might have loved it so much they might go, look, I'm prepared to pay three, three or maybe even three, four, and it's, you know, it sounds ridiculous but it's crazy and I'll make that offer, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't justify it. I can't find any evidence to say that that's the right price to pay, but, you know, if you want to pay it, you know, you'd go in with an offer prior, except that every every agent had been through this house and I'd spoken to a number of agents, including the agent that actually did, did get the listing and everybody in the market knew the vendors wanted three and a half. So even if we had gone in with what looked like an amazing offer, three, three or three, four pre, pre-auction, the vendors weren't going to entertain it anyway because we everyone knew they wanted more. And, you know, mm. it gets to auction and it actually goes to 3.9. <laughs> 
<laughs> just go, you know. So it's like it needs a willing vendor, a person willing to actually entertain what seems to be a reasonably good offer in advance, you know. Um, there you go, you know. So who's going to make sense of that? And and I can't, I couldn't actually find any justification for it to sell over three, even though we knew it was going to. It's hard though, right? Because you've got to be saying to your client, um, you know, I know that you love it, but it, what sold in the last two years is very few, four properties, I think you said. Mm. Um, they're all better than this yeah. and they're going to be paying more than that. Yep. So how much more than that is actually, how much does the market move? Well, we don't know because there's not many comparables. Um, and you're going to be basically buying ahead of the market potentially because uh, you're going to need more comparable sales after you to justify your valuation. Exactly. And so this person here paying three nine. dollars um, if, for example, a better property than that, bigger land, nicer house sells for three seven. How's that person going to be feeling? Yeah. Um, and how's that valuation going to stack up? Is their valuation now only worth three four? If that's a bigger land, so there it's is very dangerous playing in you know in a market where there's not many comparables, and you're sort of setting a new standard. Yeah. Um, because if you need to refinance or you need to sell, um, and other let's say in six months time or two years time a divorce happens, mm. and they say I want to sell, and they go, well, you paid three nine, but Last year, six months ago, this one sold for three seven, and it's better than yours. Yours only worth three six, and you're like, well, uh, and yeah. so you've got to be super careful um, in that situation. And uh, we're seeing that now. Like I've seen some prices, and you're like, how is that even possible? That is a poor street. It's gone up, you know, nearly a hundred percent in two years. It was near me, and um, it just doesn't make sense. And so, if people are now basing their decisions today on that sale. I just think that they're, they're crazy because that sale should never have been anywhere near that high um, when you know the suburbs. So, And then you get the people go, oh, well, the market, you know, the market is telling you these stories and it's like, yes, but I also have been around for downturns and I know what the market tells us then too. And so, you know, it's like if you want to be stuck there with your pants around your ankles, then go, knock yourself out. <laughs> you know, there, there are some properties well worth pushing yourself for. There's no doubt about it. But, um, yeah, it's a dangerous territory. Low listings, right? So low listings in this situation was, especially in that last couple of months, there was not that many and see big prices on low listings. It's not enough to say this is the new level, right? If there was 10 properties selling at a big price, you'd be like, okay, well, there's quite a lot of demand and yep. a lot of supply. But I think some of the prices I've seen recently, it's just like, oh, I'd want to see this maintain for another three or four months to see that this is actually what things are going to do or it's just been stupid desperation over a few chips. And, and back to Mossman. So Mossman is a suburb where you've got a lot of properties, um, you know, what well, you see, you know, the majority sells over $4 million. And Kent, you got to you got to move your bar up so we can. Yeah, uh, I did that last fishing. time. I was, I, was, I was trapped in 1990 before. You thought that was enough. <laughs> But, you know, I do that. I've got to build one specifically for half a dozen suburbs. Yeah, I know. It's a pl- it's a punish, isn't it? But so the thing is, though, if you're buying in a suburb like Mossman, you know that there are other lots of other properties around a similar of that price point, right? So whereas this one's the the mm. almost the unicorn of that suburb. And and then you've got the, the question, oh, well, um, if there are others that are larger in the area and they sold, would they also get that sort of price? And so, but that's a big, that's a what if sort of thing. And, mm. and the problem is they're not selling. And so therefore you don't have have that confidence, um, you know, to, to push over that that level. And it's certainly not a, a suburb where, you know, in, in that price distribution graph, you know, it's a tiny little, tiny little bar that's got over three million, you know, whereas a big bar, you know, between say two and two and a half and one half and two, 
All right, Surface Paradise, number nine. I want to go to Surface. Let's do it. Do you? Do you really? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Houses, not apartments here. Houses, not apartments. Yeah. Houses, yeah. So it's it's jumped from 1.1 up to 1.57 at a median level for Surface Paradise. Um, The SA3 region that it belongs to is also called Surface Paradise, which makes it easier for me to remember. Which is, um, but the region itself has really surged as well. So there's been a 27% change in the median sale price uh, there. So uh, it's a hot, hot market across the region. Uh, I would be comfortable in accepting that regional change. That it, it, all the indicators mm. say the market is that hot, uh, but mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, go down and say it's jumped by 40, you know, uh, close to 42%. Um, and that's more a result of the price distribution. So if you look at the Surface Paradise distribution, you've got about 10% of your sales are over 4 mil. Um, you've got a few blips in the data there. Sometimes you get some oddball you know, data records that flow through. Um, but, uh, yeah, by and large, um, it's, a, it's a hot market. I don't say it would be as hot as 41% change, but certainly I would support the region. It's a pretty... Uh unique part to live right i think jet ski sales must be going well there as well um because obviously you've got all your canals and um but yeah it's it's and pretty much all the houses are on the canal i mean there is little sort of inland sort of properties which will be the probably lower ones do do you think the median is just that a lot of the more expensive houses are selling um as a percentage versus the cheaper houses and that's just you know, pushing the median up that way, can which is always the case with these suburbs that have that big broad spread and waterways. Yeah, it's always the yeah. case. Mm. Yeah. So I wonder if the inland properties, like the ones that aren't on the canals, um, with the sort of lifestyle benefit of living there, are selling as strongly as the ones that are just, you know, got the waterfront. Yeah, it's interesting too. Um, this particular market, I had an eye on this one because I was worried about the uh, unemployment rate because of so many people. Uh, working in tourism, um, mm. but it just hasn't impacted the housing market at all. But is there migration there? Oh, yeah, probably actually, yeah. Mm. Because, you know, and, and along the lines of our chat with Michael Murray from Byron Bay as well, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, but, um, you know, it was the people migrating to places like this that, are, you know, potentially working from home and or working remotely on a higher income or bringing, bringing dollars that they've sold up in a capital city, for instance, to there, and they've got, um, in, in some cases, stronger buying power than the locals. You know, and so, and they're going to go, and they're going to gravitate to the properties with the views, with the the water yeah. access, and and so that's going to pull the median up, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and they're going there with Melbourne and Sydney glasses, mm. uh, and putting, you know, if I, could, if I get this for one point five versus oh, what, what I get in Sydney is, um, <laughs> and so I think, uh, you know, as prices in Sydney, Melbourne of houses go up, then a lot of that cash in money. Uh, for people who do decide to leave, you know, flows into sort of other lifestyle locations. And this probably would be one if you were looking to escape Melbourne, for example. What is rather interesting here is that, you know, we're talking houses in this episode. I mean, that's how you, you've selected these. But you're, if anyone wants to get in and play with the suburb trends, um, top 10 price change suburbs um, map that we've got the link in the show notes, um, you know, I'm looking at unit sales and so so average sales volume is 108 units a month. That's a lot um 
and currently 571 units listed for sale, which has decreased from 681 12 months ago. Um, and unit sales, you know, the median, once again, it's a dangerous thing, but it's actually saying the median's gone up 7%. Whereas, you know, when you look at um, some of the data on on losses on unit sales, the the Gold Coast in particular is features fairly highly on that list. Yeah, I, I'd like certainly like to look at uh, how much uh, new stock may have come on as well, mm. which often throws things out in the unit space. Once again, and it's scary, isn't it? Because spruikers will grab that and go, units are on the rise. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, no, they're not, not necessarily, you know. Anyway, okay, number 10. The last one. Gordon, which is not in Sydney. It is in the ACT. ACT. Yeah, well, everything in the ACT is boiling hot. Um, mm. This one's changed from... 539,000 as a sale median about a year ago or a year ago to 675k. Um, so that's at the suburb level. And when we zoom out uh, a little bit, um, I'm looking at the inventory level for the region. Um, it's 1.08 months. So effectively, if no other property Ooh. was listed for sale, you'd have no stock, no houses available to buy in, in just over four weeks' time. It's Really amazing. Now, Tugranong, SA3 region that it belongs to, that's increased by 12%. But um, there's no let up in the ACT. It's hot. Who's going there? Um, is, uh, is it migration? Well, look, I spoke to somebody who moved there from Sydney because he, uh, he identified a, a really good school. So mm -hmm. exited Sydney to move there for his son. And Canberrans love Canberra, so uh, and they may have lived in the city and they're moving back. I think I was looking at this one. There's not much new supply, which I, is always a good sign. Um, it is far from Canberra, though. It's like right on the southern end. Um, but when you sort of do a bit of a street view and you go for a lap, you know, it's got pretty nice views um, of mountain ranges and things like that and uh, lots of older sort of you know, maybe 80s sort of estates on bigger blocks and houses that will probably tidy up quite nicely. And it was a bit cheaper. You know, the median was only around 500 and it's jumped mm. to sort of 700. I think what that's doing is people are saying, oh, I can't afford those suburbs closer to the city. I still want a similar lifestyle. Gordon's a nice place. Um, it's only 20 minutes from town. Um, why don't we check that out? And so I think that's just picking back off the other suburbs in Canberra getting more expensive and just the ripple effect pushing out to a, a nicer outer suburb um, where there isn't much lots of new stock happening, although that's in the north and the, the west. So we've really, in this 10 suburbs, we've pretty much covered almost all the issues. You know, we've got, we've got ripple effect, we've got oversupply, we've got subdivision, we've got, um, we've got uh, higher price brackets and family homes and we've got affordability. You, you know, you've got everything haven't we the mixed bag you've town. got coronavirus coronavirus all over it <laughs> <laughs> you've got sea change tree change uh you've got you've got distorted data we've got you've got the works so what are we going to do next month chris what would you like what's on your wish list oh let's do that what you just spoke about before kent so do um the listings of properties that were ex-rentals um, in different sort of parts. Can we do that? Is uh, and that then, and possible? Then, yeah, and oh. then also like what percentage of those suburbs are already owner-occupied yep. and their medians because I think what you'll find is a nice trend where 
suburbs that already have got high owner occupier rates and a high listing of ex rentals are basically are, are going to become even more owner occupier rates. That's the thing. Uh, and do housing, not apartments, because ultimately, I don't, maybe you could still include apartments in I, some areas, but. Yeah, I, I think with the vacancy data that I look at, um, the vacancy d- statistic is rolled together, but I can pull out houses that yep. are, uh, or houses, that specifically houses that are, and I've matched them up to their, whether they were an ex-rental. Um, yep. And what we can do is we can do it. Do you want to do it at a suburb level? Do you want to do it at a region level? Oh, I mean, go regions, but also go maybe higher medians, like, you know, more expensive areas. Because it, it, what is basically... What's happening is if owner occupiers are buying these investment houses, the rental stock of houses is dropping because yeah, no investor wants to buy these houses because they're too expensive, and so every year it's getting harder and harder, harder to rent harder. these houses. Yeah, I'd um, say that sums up Warringah. Yeah, um, so or even eastern suburbs or even in the west. Yeah. Like, who's going to buy a two million dollar house in the inner west as an investment? Like, so it's in, it's it's um, landlords cashing in. Yeah, they're cashing in, but what they're also doing is creating a longer term. Now starting to create a, a housing problem where people go, I can't afford to buy, but I can't afford to rent houses. Correct, so I've got to move I think areas. it's a really good one yeah, to do. Yeah, you have to that. move. That's happening, cool. that's happening in regional areas. So that's that's the topic for true. next yeah, that's month. Good. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Just heard that's our true. ramble and deliberations over that and, and our theories as to or our hypothesis as to what we think the data will show. And uh, so we'll be back next month looking at the rental crisis and the impact on, what did you say? How did you sum it up, Kent? I summed it up as a, a lot of landlords are actually cashing in. Mm, um, so landlords cashing in. Landlords cashing in. So a lot of the markets where they're doing this, uh, have already got a, a rather tight rental market, so it's making things mm. significantly worse for renters. Well, we're looking forward to that. We'll see you in May. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.